Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. I'm Helena Curtis, and I lead the culture, inclusion, and wellbeing agenda here at PepsiCo UK. I'm delighted to be celebrating Disability Week with Lauren Rouse. Hi, everybody. I'm Lauren Rouse, and I'm world, European, and two-time Paralympic champion in the sport of rowing, and also a wheelchair user myself with a spinal cord injury. Thanks for being with us today, Lauren. No, thank you for having me. So I'm so excited to be chatting to you today because I'm personally passionate about creating a working culture where anyone can thrive in both their personal and their professional life. And here at PepsiCo, we're on a journey of um, really building inclusive cultures where anybody can show up as their whole selves and feel that they really belong at work. And one of the key things we do is to bring outside views in to help us learn and grow and build as allies. So firstly... Congratulations on the win this summer. (laughs) Thank you. It still seems crazy now, uh, just still sitting here, that we're way eight weeks, I think, on from what was Tokyo and the Olympic Games. Um, Yeah, and still soaking that in and and absorbing all that in. Brilliant. And it's easy to celebrate the win, and it's a great achievement, but actually there's so much more to your story, and that's actually what we want to dip into today, if that's okay. Mm. So could you start by giving us a bit of background and take us back to kind of 2012, um, and, and kind of what, what happened? Yeah, so I went to school one day. Uh, imagine me as a completely able-bodied schoolgirl, and I went to bed that night. And, and the next morning on the 2nd of February 2012, I woke up and I was paralysed. And uh, I remember that morning swinging around from the side of the bed and I had no sensation in my legs at all. And I called in my mum, I said, mum, mum, like, I've got no sensation in my legs. Like, I don't know what's happened overnight. And and it, it sort of was one of those things where it could have been like where I'd lent on my legs during the night, sort of like pins and needles. Like, it, you don't think it's going to be serious at the time. And uh, I remember trying to swing around that side of the bed and, and to stand up and I just completely collapsed to the floor, you know. And obviously it was a very uh, challenging time during my life and what embarked on um, the start of me living with a disability at 13 years old to live my life in a wheelchair and really get to grasp of what that was going to look like for me day in day out what a shock like to wake up one morning and just your whole life change and when looking back on that and knowing what you know now and we'll come on to kind of your achievements in a minute what advice would you give that 13 year old girl in that period of, of the rehabilitation oh gosh I mean I wouldn't have done anything differently because I took every day as it come and like any other person, whether you're a 13 year old girl, you becoming paralyzed overnight is not easy. But I would say to myself, don't be scared of what's next to come and don't, you know, get too caught up in, in what the future holds. And something changed, though, didn't it, in the summer of 2012? Yeah. Do you want to share, share with us a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, I've had a dream of going to the Olympics since I was seven years old. I was the kid at school that took P class like it was the Olympic Games, uh, was far too serious about sport and running was my main one. Athletics was my main sport. And so for me, when obviously I ended up uh, being in a chair, obviously that caused a problem. Not being able to walk leads to not being able to run and not being able to run. Obviously means I can't go to the Olympics. And I had no concept of disability. Like I, di- I didn't know... Um, anyone that was in a wheelchair I didn't know anybody with a disability other than maybe a learning difficulty and my vision of what disability was or what was told to me was that your life was going to be over and that you would never be independent you never have a job you had mental health issues depression felt suicidal and in London 2012 uh, when the, the, the famous London Olympics went ahead my mum said to me I really want to take you to the Paralympics and I had no clue 
what I was letting myself in for that day. But uh, she took me in and it was one of my first outings in a wheelchair. So I was already so anxious. Like I felt as though all eyes were on me. I still wasn't used to being in a chair and had a lot of self-confidence issues being a teenager as well. We went pushing to the park that day and I remember my mum just being a minority because she was able-bodied. This sea full of people that had all different kinds of disabilities and nobody stared at me because I wasn't the odd one out there. And I had seen these athletes that had disabilities, some of them far worse than what I had, doing things like and running faster, swimming faster than I'd seen able-bodied people do it. And it blew my absolute mind. And it was at that moment I was like, right, this is what I want to do. So that was obviously your start on the track, um, but that's not what you're most well-known for in terms of your, your gold medals. So can you talk to me about how, how you found rowing? I found rowing by absolute freak chance. And my sports therapist from Stoke Mandeville said to me, I think you should come down and, uh, you know, have a go on the indoor rowers and see what you think. Uh, and I pulled on that handle as hard as I possibly could. And I was terrible at it. Like, it was stunning, really, because then they said to me, you know, I think that you have some talent and we'd really love to see you in a boat. And I was like, cool. But I had to convince my mum first because she was driving me around. I still couldn't drive at this stage. And uh, I said to my mum, I remember calling her up. I said, I've just been called up by British Rent Talent Scouts. They really think I'm going to be good at rowing. And you could just hear sort of the, like, not another thing. Like, And as a mum, you know, she spent all her entire life just driving me around. So two weeks later, I was uh, in a boat in the middle of the Thames and that feeling for me was the most memorable, one of the most memorable days of my life because I never forget the feeling of getting in the boat and rowing for the first time. And uh, I remember just sort of pushing off from, from the land and uh, my wheelchair just sort of fading into the distance. And that for me was really powerful because it was me being free of the disability and soon got sucked into it. They said to me basically that, that I had a... A sort of opportunity in, in in a boat in a double with a guy called Lawrence and that in five months time we had to go to world championships now for a girl that hadn't taken a stroke in her absolute life and didn't know what she was doing I had five months basically to learn how to row against the best of the best in the world and um, five months later we won silver at the world championships um, it blew everybody away including ourselves that we actually could do that and after that we knew we had talent Oh, wow. What a story. For you, as you progressed your career as well, who have you really looked up? Who have been your role models who you've, you've really kind of kept an eye on and that, that have, have inspired you? For so long, like most people, uh, I think like their parents are their role models when they grow up. Uh, for me, my mum was. I grew up in a single parent household and my mum had to work incredibly hard for what we had. And I saw her struggle, but she was always so resilient. Like she, no matter what came her way. And so I always wanted to be like my mum. And I think I always, you know, looking back at the, how I was as a kid and even how I am now, you know, I, I try to be like her because she's my idol. Uh, but I guess sporting idols as I, as I grew up, you know, I say like Kelly Holmes, Paula Radcliffe, big running idols for me. A track racer called Tatiana McFadden. She was an American track racer and uh, had won multiple Grand Slams of marathons in, in, in wheelchair racing and was really my disability hero. You know, she just encompassed, she looked strong, she was muscular and, um, you know, won everything. And But she had, again, this work ethic that was just unmatched and for me I love that for what you've achieved you know in, in 23 years <laughs> it's pretty phenomenal so yeah how do you feel about that that title of role model for a while was very unsettling I think after Rio I came back 
you know, won a Paralympic gold medal at 18 years old. And all of a sudden I was put in the spotlight. And I think when you have a disability as well, you are, you know, your, your story and naturally what you've been through, you're just seen as an inspiration to people. People find your story inspiring that you've come through something like that. And I think that I really realised then sort of the impact that I could have being an athlete, but also as well having a disability and, and going around and talking about that and empowering um, and changing perception around disability was really then what my goal was because I really struggled when I was growing up, I think, to, um, you know, really come to terms with my disability and I don't want any other young person to have to go through that like I did and so now I want to change the future for them. Brilliant thank you and and on in that vein you've talked about actually disability being around a mindset versus a physical a physical thing so could yeah can you talk to us a little bit about that and your views around? Yeah you know? I always say that accessibility is a mindset whenever I do work with businesses and for so many people it just starts with a conversation and it's around asking somebody what their needs are and for me that's the biggest thing whenever I, I work with anybody because um, I think where we've got to in the point in, in, in most points in society is that people are scared to ask the questions they're scared to ask what people's needs are out of fear of being rude or insulting somebody when actually most people with disabilities are used to in saying what their needs are and and unfortunately the world isn't designed for disabled people we're not you know we don't live in a fully accessible world and we as people have had to adapt to that it's just asking somebody what their needs and requirements are and makes such a big difference to that person in feeling included and in feeling comfortable because people can often make assumptions, thinking they're being helpful, but make assumptions. Then you have to have the conversation when actually if they just asked you. Yeah, and, and assumptions and stereotypes is the reason why we've we've got to the point where disability is the unspoken thing. And, it, you know, uh, particularly around anything we talk about, anything to do with diversity, race, religion. We, we, we don't want to talk about these things because we don't understand them. And we've got unconscious bias about certain things uh, you know stereotypes that we've all grown up with and that you know even myself that I had around disability you know I I had these preconceptions of what it would be and how to treat somebody and how to talk to somebody that had a disability and I thought that everybody that had a disability had a learning difficulty as well and just all of those sort of things like I've had to unlearn and I've had to challenge my unconscious bias and even now when I talk to people that have different disabilities uh, you know to visual impairments hearing impairments I, I automatically switch into what I would normally uh, what almost society has taught me and how to treat them and actually I try and reverse it and I think to myself, no, Lauren, like think about how you would like to be treated. Yeah, no, definitely. Thank you. And when it's a visible disability, obviously you have a chair, right? It, I, I can see straight away that you're a wheelchair user. What about people who have disabilities that aren't visible? How, how, what can we do? Yeah, perfect question, I think, because um, invisible disabilities are a hot topic at the moment. Disability isn't just about, um, you know, a physical thing, a hearing impairment, visual impairment, if you're talking more invisibility. Um, it can be neurodivergent people. It can be um, mental health. And I think it's um, talking to people, it's building relationships with people, but all, most importantly, it's asking people, what are your needs? You've mentioned your mum a lot, um, and obviously she's your mum, right? So as an advocate and an ally, but can you talk about the role that you think allies can play to really help people with who are differently abled? 
Yeah, let's talk about allyship quite a lot. Um, not only, um, I think, you know, uh, I'm part of obviously advocating for disability, but also the LGBTQ community. It's allies for equality, not for any one thing. It should be just across the board. And we all should just be allies in wanting to make this world a better place, not trying to pick and choose what fight we're having here. But and that's what I think I've really learned. And people are finally saying, you know, we're not diverse enough. What can we do to be more inclusive? How can we learn about these things? And, and that's fantastic because we're finally having these conversations. And I talk, always talk about sort of being LGBT in the way that I really realised it wasn't about loving who I wanted to love and just being in. A, in most people think it's just to do with being a, a sort of same sex, sex relationship and that, that to do that. It's not actually about that. It's about being who you want to be. It's the same with anything, disability. Like I got bullied for the fact that I was disabled. Haha, <laughs> the girl in the wheelchair, like, and all of these things, like we shouldn't have to face these things in, in society and no one should have to face that race, gender, no whatever, no matter what it is. And um, I think that now we're finally starting to have these conversations. It's all about just educating ourselves. It's all about us understanding one another. We have to work on these things. It doesn't, you can't just change your mind in, in a minute. That's not what people like myself are asking, but you open yourself up to opening your mind up a little bit more to educating yourself a little bit more and most of all being compassionate yeah for sure and as as we've talked the things that have come out for me is around that asking just ask the questions being adaptable you've shown a lot a lot of that you know in terms of what what you've done and actually just showing up as your whole self and having honest conversations mm. and actually if you do those three things and as an ally you're probably onto a good to a good start at least yeah definitely and I talk about it um I think diversity and inclusion for definitely two, sort of two separate things because diversity is, is, is it's about sort of uh, the body compromise as a whole so if you're talking about sort of a company sort of like uh, gender race age disabilities you're talking about that in terms of the diversity but the inclusion side of it is the important part so as we celebrate Disability Week, I'm really keen to hear from you around what having the disability has given you, the opportunities um, that you might not have had if you were a fully abled Yeah, individual. I think, you know, the disability for me has opened up a whole new world that I just don't think I would ever have because... I don't think I ever would have gone to the Olympics. The, the disability for me has created an opportunity for me to be myself and for actually for me to be fearless and not just do the mundane things, to do to set my goals high and go, you know what, I'm going to do it because there's going to be boundaries in my way and I don't care. I'm going to be fearless in pursuit of my goals. Fab. Here's to that fearlessness. Yeah, definitely. So thanks for joining us today, Lauren. I've loved our conversation. And, and thank you for being so open and sharing so candidly your story. And we've all learned so much from you in such a short time. So thank you. Thank you ever so much. And I hope you guys can take one little bit of what I've said and take it on board and take it into your daily lives and, and go and change the world. 